0: G'day everyone, welcome to the Unbox Your Give podcast, I'm your host Rita Join, and I'm super excited because my my guest today is probably the definition of how I see how passion pretty much evolves because you go on one track, so say you want to be a certain teacher, doctor, electrician, whatever you want to be and then that path kind of sways and takes you to a different direction. So, as you evolve as a person, so too does your passion. And I'm a big believer of that. And my guest today is a prime example because Dr. Natalie Alexopoulos is a research scientist who specializes in early embryo development and then later in childhood epilepsy. And just happened to buy an organic farm and started making her products that were organic and eco friendly. Now, while working in a lab, because remember she's a research scientist. While working in the lab, she started a baby skincare range. And so with that in mind, right, so she's got a baby skincare range, she wanted access to her own ingredients. And so that's why she bought an olive and prickly pear farm that's now certified organic. She's also now a qualified naturopath and nutritionist. Her passion is to simply make consumers more aware and create products that are unique and eco-friendly. And in addition to that, making products, she's still involved in research with the University of Canberra on the nutritional value of the prickly pear. This is passion at its micro element. And I can't wait to interview you, Dr. Nellie Alexopoulos. Welcome to Unbox Your Gift.
1: Thank you very much. Very happy to be
0: here. Well, I'm very excited to have you because number one, what I would love to know is you are a research scientist and then you went into having this love of herbs and making ingredients, you buy an organic farm, you go back and study to be a nutritionist and an naturopath. And is that because you just love studying or you just love that aspect of just getting in the nitty gritty of things?
1: It would seem that I love studying because I think <laughs> I've spent more than half my life in school, but that's not the case. It's actually that I have a real passion for learning mm. and for um, just creating. I've always got ideas and I want to um, material, make them materialise. So um, I just use education as a means to an end. Right,
0: right. Okay. And so you're a research scientist. What gives, like, I just would like, would like to learn the background because a research scientist to me is, is like, as I've read, you're in a lab, you're working yes. with, I don't know, test tubes, <laughs> you're working with those, you know, you're kind of, you're in your own space, in your own road researching, And then you get out into the world and you're buying an organic farm and that's, you know, your lab has become a lot bigger now. It's become the natural ingredients of the world. How does that transition happen? How did you get from working in the four corners of a building in a lab to wanting to create a greater creation or extend your learning to the wider world?
1: Well, it doesn't happen all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. And it certainly doesn't, the transition certainly does not happen overnight. Mm I have to say that my love of herbs and just natural therapies actually started as a teenager. Um, It was through... My mum's very passionate about all of that, and she has, um, you know, passed it on to us. And so when I finished school, actually, I had... I was accepted to do science, and I was accepted to do naturopathy. So I thought, I'm going to go and be a naturopath. But when I started... I was not so impressed I thought "Mm, maybe this is not for me after all so I'm going to go and have a very solid career I'm going to be a really good researcher and I'm going to know all about science and biology and just get really good and so that's what led me down that path so um, I did my studies and I found that I had a real uh, love for fertility and reproduction <clears throat> and all the new fertility technologies that were, you know, really coming up. So I did my um, postgraduate studies in IVF and actually controversially later cloning with, um, with cattle. Wow. So that was my, so it was a very exciting time, very exciting world. I, um, I travelled overseas, I studied overseas. Um, I went to all sorts of conferences. I mean, it was very exciting, all that knowledge and and meeting um, other scientists, and it was uh, very fast-paced and Mm -hmm. a lot of things were happening. So I really loved that. And uh, later on I uh, met another professor and he was was an epilepsy researcher and that really caught my attention. So I I went into that field Mm -hmm. and that was very, very different to what I had known. Um, It was quite conservative and it was very much closed into a lab and uh i went up i went up to brisbane and i worked up there and it was just it was actually a great time but during that time <clears throat> i thought you know what i'm i was secretly making my creams and my you know and <clears throat> we just it was just a, a conversation that kept happening over and over again and eventually you know that I got swayed. You know I was just. Wow. It, it It was over a few years, but it it happened. So I um I made my skincare my baby skincare, and I thought, and it worked so well. And I thought, I need to really make this a permanent thing. Like this is what I have to do. I have to really um make that decision now. And so I left the lab behind much to the disappointment of a lot of people and, you know, a lot of projects that were going on. And it was, you know, it was a really big deal at the time. Yeah. And I thought it's sink or swim. Mm. <laughs> so that's what
0: I well, It's interesting that you said that because you were secretly making your creams, right? Yes. At what point did you start secretly making your creams, your secret source ingredients?
1: It was um, It was a few years before I actually left the lab. Right. Um, it started off with, um, I suppose, just using some people that had skin conditions that wouldn't go away, yeah. and because I knew there were certain herbs that really worked, I started incorporating those in. And because I saw such a good outcome, I thought this is this is actually a really good
0: product, and I need to get it out there. Well, okay, people so need- oh, so you've tested. You're testing as you're going. You're testing your product. Yes,
1: absolutely.
0: How, Absolutely. You know. So, can you tell me what helped you the most in the creation of these products? Was it your research background? Was it being a nutritionist? Was it being a naturopath? Like what? I wasn't, I wasn't a naturopath or nutritionist at that point. Oh. I
1: um I had, I was a scientist. My research um, background was very helpful because I could sit down and really dissect uh, what every herb did. Like I actually sat and, and studied everything, and also I had my own knowledge from beforehand, like I said, you know, my mum's very passionate Mm. and um, we had done a lot of things together and there's a lot of traditional medicine as well. And so all of that comes together. Um, So definitely my research helped me a lot, Mm -hmm. but it was also just um, really talking to a lot of people and and testing on them and seeing how how they were reacting to it and um, just getting a lot of positive feedback. So eventually I thought, this is like, I really need to put this out there. It it was just that really strong feeling of, I have to get out there. I have to help more people. That was really the bottom line of it, that I want to help as many people as I can. So the whole reason I did research and became a scientist was to help people. Mm. That was my bottom line.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But I felt like now I need to go and help a lot more people.
0: That's, that's interesting. So what was the result that people were getting that fueled your enthusiasm so intensely to go after the skincare? Like what results, what were their skin conditions prior and then what was the result after?
1: Well, I, I suppose one of the worst um, cases was my dad, who was a jeweler, mm-hmm. and he worked with a lot of chemicals and he's old school so there was no um you know protecting anything and he just had um eczema that would not go away I remember like my whole childhood it was bad and we made this um cream and it just it cleared up like so quickly and I thought oh my god and then um we started using it on all sorts of other people that had other skin conditions just Anyone, anyone that I came across that had something, I said, you know, do you want to try this? Just see how you go. See if you like it. Um, we had, um, there were some people that had cold sores and they're like, oh, this thing just won't go away. Use this cream. Right. Two days later it was gone. Like it was just, and I felt like I was creating, in my mind anyway, I felt like I was creating this miracle cream. Wow. So it just was this, um, I, I just knew that, I just couldn't leave it in my house. It it, it had to go out there and I had to really, um, you know, push um, and and go for it. And
0: that's what I did. Yes. Sorry, and I'm just seeing your face. It's just lighting up as you're talking about it. It's very exciting. It's really, to know that you have invented something that can actually alleviate so much, you know, embarrassment, pain, problems, suffering, that's huge
1: it's always you know it's always the way when you have someone that comes up to you and says thank you
0: Mm. that's really Mm.
1: you know that's that makes it all worth it and and that's for any profession not just with me that would be for anybody um so when i you know um at the time of um you know finalizing the the baby products we sat down and we thought well we've got to be serious about this and so the decision was made and I went and bought a farm. So initially I just wanted an olive farm. That, that's all I was looking for. Wow. And so I looked around and I found one and it just happened to have a lot of prickly pear on there. Now, I knew prickly pears because my background is Greek and we just knew to eat them. We didn't know anything else. We right. just eat the fruit. We didn't know anything else about them. But, again, being a researcher, I thought, what could I do with this plant? And that's how um, then uh, the rest of our um, products have developed, actually from the prickly pet, because I've discovered that it's an amazing plant with so many um, healing qualities. And um, I just, yes, so that's, um, that was the next step after that.
0: That's really interesting because you're leaving a nice, secure job being a research scientist and going into this unknown world that you're passionate about but there's no guarantee because there's no, uh, you know, pre-led career path that you need to, you know, you do step one, step two. That's not like how it's going to go. Were you at all apprehensive? I mean, as much as you were enthusiastic about starting it, were you at all apprehensive that, oh, my God, this is like, what if it doesn't work?
1: Well... In the beginning, I wasn't.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, in the beginning, I was very much, I just have to go for this. It's not, um, no, I didn't think of the money in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> I, just thought, I just felt like, because to be honest, as I said, it didn't happen overnight. So yeah. it was a transition. Mm. So I felt like I could do it. Yes. So that was it. Um, I didn't just suddenly quit my job Mm -hmm. and and suddenly put myself in a massive debt. I transitioned and I had a bit of a buffer and, you know, but um, that doesn't mean that it wasn't tough because it was, like you said, that that Mm -hmm. security was not there. And Mm -hmm. so I really had to um, stand up on my own. Mm -hmm. And if I didn't have such a supportive family, Mm -hmm. It would not have it would it just would not have happened. That's the that's the bottom line of
0: it. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. And everyone that I've ever interviewed has said that they've had some level of some support. If it, the support, if not, was a human being, it was something that they had to just give them that boost. It wasn't something huge, but it was just something to help with that transitionary state. state. But now, what's interesting for me is that you created, so you created this cream that helped people with eczema. What led you to create baby products? Like that's what's interesting for me because you could have created anything.
1: Yes, I know. And, and that really was a crossroads at the time of what really to create. Mm. So I felt like this cream, this was my feeling, my thought at the time. I created this cream and I thought it really works. And then I, I saw that it worked on absolutely anybody, like from very old to very young. And I thought, well, I'm going to say that this cream is effective, but it's so mild that anybody can use it. And I thought, well, if anybody can use it, let's start from the beginning and that will be the babies. If their super soft skin can take it with their problems, then I'm going to call it a baby cream and a baby shampoo and a baby powder. So that range was created. So it was for them. It just ended up that all sorts of people were using it and they didn't care that it said baby on
0: it. really yes my goodness that's an interesting now did you because i know all your products are organic and eco-friendly so that's just like a big fat tick like that's yes a lot of relief for anyone so all your every ingredient is natural in your products every single one and Mm. vegan oh oh now that's even more we
1: don't use any animal products um because i just haven't felt the need to there's no um but you know everything natural uh, plant-based works so well
0: mm-hmm.
1: and our formulation is complete in my opinion doesn't need anything else
0: i love that i love it so this is what's interesting for me now is that you've gone on you've bought a farm you've made that yeah. investment you've said okay i'm going to go and create the creams and let's start from the beginning we start if their little skins can you know you know handle this then obviously it's going to work for anybody. So how did you start now marketing this secret formula that you've got that can actually help so many skin conditions?
1: Right. So in the beginning we were doing, um, we were doing baby shows, uh, so okay. like exhibitions. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a bit, you know, that was a bit nerve-wracking in the beginning because mm-hmm. you, you stand out there and, and talk about your product.
0: Mm. Um,
1: and other ways was just... I suppose the way everybody would do it is just through old-fashioned word of mouth, um, putting yourself out there and just talking about your product and market and just making yourself known. Mm. And I think for me that has been the biggest challenge of anything so far. I could handle anything, um, but the, the sort of the marketing <laughs> and the promotion was yeah. the hardest because as a scientist, you don't need to do that. You just have to use your knowledge. Yes. In a lab. You do, in a way, have to market yourself because you have to publish papers and you do have to talk at conferences and you have to get grants. So in that way, you have to market yourself. And that helped me a lot with my journey. If I didn't have that background, mm-hmm. I think I would have really struggled.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's I guess, when you were marketing. Did you actually before? If we take a step back, did you test yeah. the product on babies so that making sure that they could handle it?
1: Absolutely. And mm-hmm. before I even um, started doing exhibitions and all of that, I was giving the product to every single mum that, mm-hmm. I, that I that knew that I saw, and I said use it. Tell me what you think. And the feedback just kept coming back. This is fine. This is perfect. It doesn't need anything else. It works really well. So I thought, okay, so I didn't need to do any more tweaking. Mm -hmm. I had done, I had done all of that during the adult testing phase Mm -hmm. and so by the time it came to, you know, time to release it, um, it was as I wanted it to be. Mm -hmm. Having said that, um, We have added another ingredient down the track and that was the um, prickly pear flower. So that wasn't in our original formula. So we added that because I discovered that uh, when you have a wound and it um, closes, it goes back to the original layers so you don't get scarring. Ah, my goodness. That was another addition. So, um, And all this has been through my research with prickly pear. I've discovered all these things that, quickly can do
0: that's incredible that's do you so someone who's listening and thinking i have a product that i would like to take to market because i think yeah. it could help in your experience do you need to be certified with like a, any government body or anything to say that my products or can you just anyone can just take a product that they believe in that they've tested personally and take it to the market like is there a a process that has to be followed through or anything like that a formal process. No,
1: There are no, for skincare there on cosmetics, there are no um, regulatory bodies as such. And so that's why um, I suppose now people are getting more um, savvy about what's in, in products Mm. anyway. Mm. And people that are making products also themselves attending more towards the harmless, um, I'll call them whatever you add in their ingredients. Um, But, of course, the dangerous things can slip through Mm -hmm. and that's where people get into trouble. I think when you want to release um, a product, you just have to be careful how you label it and I think that's Mm -hmm. where you could get into trouble. So anybody could go out and make a cream that they thought was really good and effective. Yes, you can. You can package it. You can do all of that. But you should be aware that um, it should be packaged in the right way so it's not going to you know, be full of mould in a month or something, mm. um, you know, all of these things. So you've got to have due diligence so that you don't get into trouble. So it's sort of up to you to, uh, you know, do the right thing along the way.
0: Okay.
1: Um, you don't have to register with any particular body or anything like that. Mm. If you want to market your product as organic or certified organic, then, yes, your ingredients do have to be certified the facility where they're made has to be certified organic. So all of those things. Otherwise, you can um, make your product and,
0: and put it out there. Okay. All right. Is that, a, is that a headache of a process, certifying your products to be organic?
1: Well, um, for example, with the farm, for it to be certified organic, that took three years. That's a three-year oh, process.
0: Wow. Wow. That's just like that's a long time.
1: It is a long time. And then anything else you want to add on, it's another year. So if you say suddenly, oh, we're, we're adding this onto the farm, then it's, mm. you know, there's another waiting period. So and then if you don't comply, you can lose your certification and then you'd have to start all over again. Oh, God. So that is actually very stringent, that, mm. that whole process. Mm. And then you want to market your products as certified organic, organic. Um, They inspect the facility and that also gets audited. So there's a lot of auditing going on as well. Okay. So, yes, that process. So then, people who buy your product, yes, they pay a little bit more for it, Mm. but they know that they can trust where everything's come from. And that was my um, whole reason as well why I wanted to buy a farm. I wanted to have ingredients that people could trust and that I felt comfortable with.
0: I love that. I absolutely, I actually interviewed someone uh, just last week who is the called himself The Coffee Man and he's the world champion barista and he has purchased uh, coffee farms in Nicaragua and Ecuador so he can do exactly what you're doing, so he can oh, control yeah. the quality and the um, fair trade aspect of his coffee beans. And it's interesting you're doing the exact same thing but you're doing it in Australia, which is even more exciting. So how much time are you spending? I mean, my goodness, because I know you live in Melbourne. Yes. And your farm is in? It's um, near Bendigo. Near, okay. So, so the, how far is from Melbourne to Bendigo? How so far? Is...
1: It is um, it's about three hours.
0: Okay. So it's, 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 it's a good distance. It's a good drive yeah. distance. How much time yeah. are you able to research for the prickly pear and what creams, what additions are needed, what new products to create versus spending time in just getting this to like you know, there's a lot of things happening. How much time are you spending on all of this? I mean, how can you manage all of that? I think
1: I'm spending almost all of my time um, doing all this, but it's a pleasure because there's a lot of creation going on. Yeah. Um, yes, because apart from my... So as I've been creating my products, mm-hmm. so then I moved on. As, as I said, I, um, yes, I did the baby products. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, well, I need to make some other products. But... My learning bug got the better of me as well. And then I went and studied and I qualified as a naturopath and a nutritionist. Yeah, yeah. So that was on top of everything else <laughs> I was doing. And I had a baby during that time as well. Yeah, baby so too. Oh. Do, yeah, she's four now. But so all of that was um, during that time too. And wow. as I said, I've got a very, very supportive family. <laughs> We're uh, very hands on. So I'm very lucky. Wow. Um, So then we, um, you know, started creating um, things with the prickly pear. That really became the focus then of our new products was the prickly pear. And um, I started, we started with a laundry powder. We started with a face oil. All of this comes from the prickly pear, hand and body wash, um, a nutritional powder. So as all this started coming out into the market and I was um, promoting the prickly pear, um, I was approached by um, at the nutrition department from the University of Canberra and they wanted um, to study the nutritional effects or the profile of the prickly pear right. and to see if it can be used um, in health because uh, traditionally it has been. Yeah. So that's how our collaboration started with them. So
0: you're back into research now? <laughs> Yeah,
1: so I'm doing I'm doing some of that too. So I'm co-supervising a student, a PhD student. So wow. she's doing um looking at the best way to process the prickly pear. Um, they'll be starting some clinical studies uh, to see what effect the prickly pear has on reducing blood sugar levels. So that's very re- relevant to diabetics.
0: Oh, wow,
1: that's incredible! So, yep, yeah, So for me, I feel like um how can I not be passionate about what I do mm. when I've got this, this farm that's producing all these, I feel great products um, where, you know, the prickly pear is now being
0: researched and validated for me, all of these things. It's all, yeah. It's all happening. It's all happening around you. So in terms of the prickly pear, you mentioned that, and you mentioned the laundry powder. Why would I use a prickly pear laundry powder versus one that I would buy from the supermarket? Like, give me the differences. What are the the benefits? Because I'm very engrossed in that. Like, I can't believe you can get laundry powder from prickly pear. <laughs> well,
1: exactly. The product that, um, yeah, it, it's it's so different to anything else that's out there. So, in the supermarket, the majority of the products are well, people know by now they're synthetic. Mm-hmm. And they're made from petrochemicals. Mm. Um, and, of course, that's why they're very cheap. Mm. So, But they're also bad for the environment. Even though they say no phosphates or, you know, all these um, marketing buzzwords, there are still a lot of things that are harmful to the environment. Right. So then people have gone, okay, what alternative do we have? So they'll go and find the more sort of eco products. There might be a couple in the supermarket. And they'll use those and they'll say, oh, you know, Um, It doesn't have such a strong smell and it doesn't, so they'll be happy with Mm -hmm. with that sort of thing. Along comes us. So their products are plant-based mineral, um, um, so they're natural, Mm -hmm. so what they've added in is natural, Mm -hmm. but I have looked into those as well and I've discovered that a lot of those uh, natural minerals that they've added in, to actually get them to that stage where it's powdered and, and mined and everything, there's a lot of chemicals used and chemical processes to get it to that right so maybe they're not as eco as as one would hope that they were okay our product is um, we use an an olive oil soap as a base so it's the traditional old-fashioned way and we add in prickly pear and prickly pear um, has a few functions it actually acts as a fabric softener it um, and it neutralizes germs. So, um, in places where they have water contamination, if you put a prickly pear pad in there, it actually draws all the bad, um, you know, bad gut and all that bacteria. So, people can drink the water without getting poisoning. Wow. So it, um, it's so good then for, um, for people if they want to use grey water or whatever, mm. then they know it's actually clean. Their water is actually clean. They can put it in the garden for reuse.
0: Incredible.
1: So it just does, it's got so many different things that it does and the best thing of all is I always feel like um, what you wash with is what you wear. You're wearing your laundry powder. You're wearing your uh, shampoo. Like whatever you put on, that's mm. what stays
0: on. Wow. And it cleans the same way. Like sometimes I, it, it's like it does get the grit and grime and all the dirt out of clothes.
1: It really does because if it didn't, we wouldn't be here today. Okay.
0: Oh, yes, of course. How long have you had your, your skincare line, your business? It's not even skincare because you've branched out into different products. How long have you had the business for?
1: So it started in um, 2009.
0: Wow. Wow
1: up to a decade now I can't believe it I can't believe I just said that I didn't realize
0: but yeah it's been that's that's huge that's a huge achievement really that's that's a huge achievement how does a mum like you like seriously because I know um I and I've interviewed people from different business backgrounds and you know I can hear a little baby in the background and I love that because it just shows that you're working from home. You have a family as well. I want to know how do you manage all of that? Because you're not just a business owner. You're not just um, a research scientist. You're a mum, you're a wife. I'm sure you're a daughter. You have different hats on. How do you, how does your day look?
1: Look, I have, um, I have uh, periods where I'm just, I feel like superwoman. And then there's periods where, I'm just a blubbering mess. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know. yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Relate to both of those. <laughs> so I'm not always on top of things. And like I said, um, I have a very supportive family. Okay. And that really is key. You couldn't do everything on your own. Mm-hmm, um, if mm-hmm. you had maybe a, an office job and you just went to the office and came back, um, maybe you could sort of do it, do it on your own in a way. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to a business and you have to get out there because you're not just sitting in your home office, you've got to go out and either make your product or sell your product or yes. talk about your product or anything like that, yeah. um, you need other people mm-hmm. um, around, at least to some capacity. Mm-hmm. And also um, from a psychological point of view,
0: mm-hmm. you,
1: need, you need people around to mm-hmm. um, bounce ideas off, to support you, encourage you. Um, so that's, that is really how I managed to do it. I have to say that there is other support out there. Yeah. My sister is an amazing support.
0: Ah, nice. Nice. She's she's very
1: involved as well in the business. Great. Great. Um, So, you know,
0: it's great to have that, that closeness. That helps a lot. That's what's the biggest shock? Cause you went from a nice, wonderful, you know, I know what's coming next job being a research scientist in terms of I know what my next career step is, what the next thing I'll do, to jumping into business or transitioning into business, what was the biggest shock that you didn't realise or you weren't prepared for or kind of got you off the cuff kind of thing?
1: Well, to be honest, um, research is not a, a very stable job. Oh, it's a, okay. I'll call, a, I'll call it a semi-stable job. Right, so okay. in a way you have your you know, your project leader or your project head, it's to his benefit to get as much money from grants as possible mm-hmm. to keep his projects going. Yeah. And, of course, that benefits you.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: you at the same time have to do your bit. Mm-hmm. So you also have to go out there and kind of hustle in a way. You know, you have to write grants. And
0: okay. So
1: that's the one thing that all scientists have complained about. They said, oh, we thought the hard part was just, you know, going to school and studying and, you know, (laughs) (laughs) we thought that was the hard part and then actually having to make up projects, we thought that was hard. We didn't realise we actually had to find money.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And no one teaches you that.
1: No. So Mm. um, I think because I had that already, that that sort of thing, Mm. um, I I could transition into, okay, I need to make this work. Mm -hmm. So that was if i had just a, an any as you said stable job where i knew what was coming next then yes it would have been a really big shock i think that would have been the shock of where you in a way you don't pay yourself yeah for a long time if you know what i mean you yes. have to
0: yeah
1: everything you do just goes back into absolutely into your life. otherwise it will never grow
0: Mm, absolutely, 100%. For the first few years, you're putting it back, you're reinvesting. Whatever you're earning, it's reinvesting back into your work and for the yes. duration, for the longevity of it, so that it can sustain itself. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. And I suppose the trick is to, um, if something's really, really not going to work, to say, I'm cutting this off. I'm cutting yeah. it out.
0: Yeah, yeah. Otherwise,
1: you'll just keep going down.
0: Absolutely. So how many products do you have now that's on offer?
1: Oh, Okay. There is um, three in the skin in the baby range. There is um, a prickly pear seed oil, uh, Mm. which is a a cosmetic face oil. Uh, We have the laundry powder, two hand washes, um, soaps, um, St. John's wort oil. So we've got a few few products. Um, And I'm also working on another product, which is a prickly pear flower essence. Wow. So, a flower essence is something you take that um, helps uh, your emotional state. It's a, it works on on the emotional um plane. Oh so it's my not goodness. A, a mental. Yes. Okay. So I'm working on that. Um, so that will be released I suppose soon enough. So yeah. that, that <laughs> That comes from my naturopathic background because they use a lot of um, flower essences yes. as well. Of course, of,
0: course, of course. How do you choose which product to create? Is it because people tell you or you just notice, like, for example, this emotional, you know, blend that you're creating? Is that just something that you saw mm-hmm. that people needed or people were using? How do you how do you start? What How do you nominate what next product you're going to do? Um,
1: well... For me, it's been very much led by um, the plant and what can the plant do and what parts of the plant can I use. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. And so
1: that's kind of what has spurred yeah. on. Okay. So um, another product that is going to be released soon, we've been in the testing phase, is the nutritional powder. Uh-huh. So that will be the leaf ground up. And with the um, upcoming clinical trials, that will back up our product. So that will all come together. So one thing kind of leads to another and there's Mm -hmm. discussions and there's a lot of thinking and you think, oh, well, what else could this be good for? So that's kind of... um, And also you get feedback from people as well. So people might say, oh, why don't you, you know, have you thought of this or, you know, I would like to see this. So everything kind of works together. It's your thinking. It's the plants themselves that almost tell you. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. And also um what you feel the need is out there like what is there like i saw i saw a gap in the laundry powder mm.
0: so that, that
1: was my i thought no one has done this mm. i'm going back to the old-fashioned the traditional uh the roots of it Beautiful. and it's work, and it did nice
0: so if someone's listening to this right now and going where can i get your products where would they go where can they find out more
1: well, I suppose the best place to go is on our website. Mm-hmm. So how would
0: they spell the, the, your website?
1: Um, C-H-I-R-O-N,
0: mm-hmm.
1: organic, mm-hmm. and then .com.au. Beautiful. So that would be the first port of call.
0: And so that's where all your products are. That's where they can learn more about the ingredients and the prickly pear right. and the olive yeah. extract. I love all of that. Are you creating the products yourself uh, or are you just initiating the idea and then asking someone else to create them so that you can focus on the other aspects of the business?
1: No, nope. I, all myself.
0: How are you doing that? Oh my goodness. That's a lot of work. That is.
1: That's... Well, I've also said, you know, as I said, my family's, family, um, they're very involved too. So it's, um, we, we bounce the ideas off each other and, um, kind of get into it together mm-hmm. but it all starts with um, the idea um, how can we get this done a uh, bit of researching okay um, so then then the, the product happens and it doesn't um, happen straight away it, it will take it's weeks tough. months whatever it will just keep evolving
0: okay yes and so you maintain the farm as well you drive out to Bendigo for three hours and maintain the farm and making sure they're watered yes. and
1: Oh, yeah, we, we have we do have um, some workers that, that okay. do all the um, the practical things. Fantastic. Which you need to do that because I can't.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that. Exactly. That's that's what I was thinking. How would you possibly get to all of this when you know there's so much on your plate already as as just being a mum? You know what I yeah, mean? But you do, yeah, but
1: of course I have to um, I have to run you know run things, but mm. I don't um, I don't have to do the I do some physical labour, but I don't do the, the hard, heavy, uh, you know. Yes. You know, yeah. Topping up trees or whatever, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. I, love well, can, I love it. Yeah. We've got some locals that, that help out in that way.
0: Good stuff. Good stuff. If someone's watch, or listening to this podcast right now, Natalie, and thinking to themselves, you know, what would be your biggest advice if you could go back in 2009 and yeah. give yourself one piece of advice that you think that you would have helped you starting out, what would that piece of advice would have been? Uh,
1: well, things have changed so much since 2009, like <laughs> so much. Like, for example, um, now a lot of things seem to happen on social media mm. and Instagram, like the big thing. And um, I know another, another lady who started her own skincare a couple of years ago. And she's got, you know, how many thousands of, of Instagram people? And so they started very much focused on social media. Mm. In 2009, that wasn't even, yeah. that was hardly, I don't know, did Facebook exist? I can't remember. Maybe it did. It I don't did. know.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, not as big as it is now, obviously.
1: No. So back in those days, I would have said um, for anybody starting out, networking
0: okay. is a very good thing. I would
1: say that's um, something that you should just actively don't, um, don't be intimidated mm. by um, thinking that you're just a small guy to yeah. say, well, I've made this product or this idea or whatever it is that you've got. Um, and I'm going to back myself.
0: Mm. And
1: then you say, well, since I believe in it, I have to make others believe in it too. Mm. And I think that doesn't change in any era. Yeah. You just go out there and you just keep talking to people and you just talk and talk and uh, one thing sort of leads to another. That's really helpful. Yeah. So that yeah. would be in any. And the other piece of advice I would give is that um, you might be really scared to leave what you're doing mm. um, and you don't have to leave it straight away. <laughs> you, can, you can work into it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But once you make that decision, have that courage to follow it through
0: yeah for sure beautiful advice beautiful advice i i often say that myself that the hardest part is in the beginning of making that decision that you're going to because it's the biggest leap of it's like holding your breath as you're jumping into an ocean of water you know it's just like you just don't know how to plan you don't have but it's just that following through once you jump in you just follow it through and then you relax along the way and take things as it comes because that's the that's best way rather gonna, than being anxious
1: There's some highs and there's a lot of lows. Mm, mm. But the lows are also a good learning um, opportunity as well.
0: Yeah, for sure. So that
1: shouldn't put you off either.
0: Yeah, absolutely. What is next for you? What's your ultimate goal, dream, vision that you have for your range, for your work that you're doing in the world right now? Mine would be,
1: (laughs) well... The whole, um, my whole purpose now, and I suppose it's always been, um, is to leave a better world for our children. Mm. And I would like to have um, products out there that really, really help people. I mean, really at the grassroots level, like, you know, um, and that's why um, I'm developing this powder because I want people to um, not be worrying about diabetes or uh, their cholesterol levels, you know, and, and something that can really help people. So they're not um, panicking or feel lost about what they're doing. Mm. The same with the products. So I want people to go, you know what, I'm going to use this because I know that it's not going to harm me, it's not going to harm the environment, it's going to help. Because everything, even all our products that we make, there's no, um, there's no bad footprints left on, on the environment. Mm. Everything is, um, we use everything in a plant.
0: Mm. And
1: we, Make things in a traditional way, but with you know more modern techniques and and newer research and all of that. So, my um, yeah, my whole aim and goal is to um, just really help people um, just you know realize their best selves and, and, like I said, leave a better world. for
0: for the next generation. Love it, love it, love it, love it. And I love the fact that you're doing that with such enthusiasm and such zest for life and that the product's naturally, obviously, that when you come from a position where you're giving so much love to something, the end product can only attribute to someone else's love and longevity in the long run. So thank you Mm -hmm. so much for the work that you do quite sincerely and thank you very much for joining us and sharing how you've taken this, passion that you had and turned that into a profession that's helping so many thank you very much natalie
1: thank you also for having me on and giving me the opportunity to talk oh, about
0: it's been My a God. blast it's been a blast <laughs> thank you guys thank you so much for listening and remember too when you want to know more about how to change your passion and turn that into a profession The best way to do that is to be updated with these interviews that we're doing so that you can understand the different journeys, the different situations, the different scenarios passion can take. And how in those different parts passion can turn into a profession you might see yourself in any one of these people that are on the podcast and that's the whole crux of liquid standing on their shoulders and so that you can see your vision for yourself so much more easier when you learn the lessons from someone else so make sure you subscribe to this podcast series so that you understand and understand from others how that your own journey can be made much simpler much more effective much more efficient by just really learning the lessons from others. Others, and as the advice of natalie is given in our interview today um how that can actually equip you in your own journey of turning your passion into a profession thank you so much for listening guys and we'll catch you on the very next episode